Mindfulness Mode, 268. We all have a crazy person inside our head, and so when we realize we're not the only one that has that crazy person in our head, um, I think it you know, gives us permission to be who we are. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Thanks so much for joining us here on Mindfulness Mode. Always happy to have so many Mindful Tribe listeners. This is fantastic. I want to mention about last time's episode, and that was we were talking about NLP, And I found this really interesting. It was with Serena and we had such a great discussion about what that means, neuro-linguistic programming and how it can help us and you can help other people with this. Today, we're talking about self-love. And as you know, I mentioned the topic of bullying in every episode and quite a few of my guests have mentioned that self-bullying is like the absolute overall ultimate kind of bullying where we literally stop ourselves in our tracks because we say to ourselves, you're not worth it. You're not valuable. Why do you think you have the right to do this? That kind of self-bullying is extremely harmful. We need to replace it with self-love. And that's what Joy talks about on today's episode. She's a total delight, really enjoyed the episode, and I think you will too. So sit back, relax, and take it all in about self-love. Today is going to be a real treat because we're going to be talking about a very important subject that I think too often we don't talk about this. It's the subject of self-love. And today I have a very special guest with me. I have Joy Cheng with me. Hey, Joy, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am, Bruce. (laughs) That's great. I'm honored to be here with you. And I am too honored to have you on the show, Joy. I'm just going to share a bit about you, Joy, with Mindful Tribe. And here's what I have. Joy Cheng, she has a Master of Social Work, She's the self-love luminary. I love that. She's passionate about helping women love themselves so that they can live the best life possible. She's a certified professional coach. She's a mentor, a healer, a circle facilitator, and a trained yoga teacher. She, like I mentioned, has a degree in social work and psychology, and she's the best-selling author of a tremendously powerful book called The Naked Truth, A Woman's Journey of Self-Love About Her Personal Journey of Healing Herself Naturally from Depression Through Self-Love. So, Joy, like I said, what a pleasure to have you with us. Let's get on the same page here. What does mindfulness mean to you, Joy? Thank you for asking that question, Bruce. Um, So mindfulness to me is really about being aware, you know, aware of our thoughts, aware of when we're eating, um, being aware of like our food and what we put in our bodies and the way it tastes. And so it's really about presence. It really is about presence, and so is self-love, isn't it? Self-love. Will you tell us, how did you get started in this journey, not only your own personal journey, but your journey of sharing with others about self-love? 
Yeah, so my journey began um, really in my 20s when I was going through this period of uh, dark period of deep depression and suicidal thoughts. You know, I had a really hard time getting out of bed and um, just, you know, when I would go to work, I would have this thought, I would cross this bridge and think, you know, I wonder what would happen if I just jumped off this bridge. And it was a really, really, you know, difficult time, especially because um, it was confusing because I really didn't have anything in my life that was bad. You know, I had a good job. I had friends and family that cared about me and a boyfriend. And so, you know, everything on the outside seemed like my life should be good, you know, and so it was really confusing. Um, But I think that what was going on for me was I wasn't living my purpose and I wasn't loving myself. And so, you know, it was when I got in, I found myself in an abusive relationship that that was when I realized, you know, I really needed to love myself. And so that was kind of that turning point for me where I decided, you know, I need to end this relationship and I need to learn to love myself. Um, And then that, you know, began this journey where I found these practices that I share in my book that really helped me cultivate that deep sense of self-love. Um, And that's why I'm so passionate about helping other people now love themselves because it really saved my life. And like I said, you know, um, in your intro, I didn't go through any, I didn't take any medication. I didn't do therapy. And so, you know, that might be helpful for people sometimes, but I just want to show them that there may be a different way. You know, you may not have to do that, that there are other ways that you can um, heal yourself and find, you know, inspiration and hope and purpose in your life so well what jumps to my mind joy is this was writing the book therapy for you because you were so vulnerable and you've shared your journey in such simple language it's you just feel that you can totally resonate with you as an author was that journey of writing the book therapy for you Yeah, I mean, I think that it was definitely, I I did a lot of healing before even, I think you need to probably do a lot of healing to even get to that place to be able to really be vulnerable and share, you know, because in my book, I don't just share that I'm this great person who's accomplished all this stuff, but really I own my own shit, you know, basically and say like, I'm not perfect and I've made mistakes. And because that's really what we all want is connection, right? And that connection comes through vulnerability, through being able to really be honest about, you know, not only like our light, but our dark, our shadow, Um, And so, yeah, I think that, but, you know, also, yeah, I'm sure writing that book was healing. um, And, you know, there was, yeah, layers of healing. And I'm sure as I continue to share my story, there'll be more layers. I mean, there's, you know, something about speaking our story that is different than writing as well. So... Yeah, that's true. That's true. So you have exercises at the end of each chapter. And those exercises, I think, are what really help the reader to make it their own. Mm -hmm. Did you, did you, how were you inspired to put those exercises in there? Are those exercises that you yourself did when you were moving through this transformation? Or did they come to you when you looked back? Um, so yeah, the practices, I think that's what you're referring to. There's seven practices in my book. So yeah, those are seven practices that I definitely did in my life that helped me cultivate that sense of self-love. So they are super powerful. I've done a lot of growth work, but you know, those really helped me. Um, and so that's what I teach other people too. And so that's why I shared those in my book. Um, and there's also journaling questions. Um, so it's kind of divided up. The first section is my story. And it's divided up into 13 chapters, which are all lessons about self-love. So they're not, of course, the all the lessons, because there's sort of an infinite number, I think, of lessons I've learned about self-love. But they're the ones that wanted to come through um, during this book. And then the next section are called practices. So those are the seven practices. Um, and then the last two sections of my book 
are um, there's one called Purpose, and that's about twin flames, and that was a part of my um, journey. Like I said, just finding out what my purpose is, living my purpose. Um, and the last chapter is called Where Do We Go From Here? So that's really about the work that I do in the world and um, how I can support the reader. Right. And I know that you work a lot with women. Self-love, of course, is something that we as men, we really need that too. But share this with us. How do you find that difference between men and women searching to find their own self-love? Um, you know, I don't, because I do primarily work with women. Um, I'm not sure how that really is different, because I think that, you know, of course, we all struggle. I know I've, I've heard stories. I know people, you know, men who also have had suicide, you know, thoughts, suicidal thoughts, and that's been something that they've had to deal with as well, right? And so I think that it is probably very similar, really, as far as like these practices and how they can help um, you if you're struggling with that. I was looking at something last night on YouTube, and it's about sex education. And my son is 16, and so he was watching it first. And the the man's name, I think, is John Oliver. He's a late-night talk show host, I think. Mm -hmm. And so he was sharing some of the ideas that come across to students when when, uh, sex education is taught. And what jumps out at me is that there's a very different attitude about women compared to men. In other words, abstinence is taught many places where they teach that that's really the only choice until you get married or, uh, you know, that you just choose abstinence. But what it says is that, you know, if, if a woman does have several relationships, that's like chewing gum that is has been chewed and chewed and chewed and then like who wants used chewing gum and it's like are you kidding me you are talking about a woman you are talking about human beings with you know this is the real world where um you know i don't know i just think that's very bizarre that that is explained that way and yet nothing's mentioned about men who mm. go out and have several sexual experiences. It's They're talking about women. Like, what are your mm-hmm. comments on that when it comes to self-love? I mean, this must be a terrible message for women to just, like, it just sifts down in our, in our culture. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's part of what I, you know, want my intention with my book is for women to be really okay with who they are and be able to, you know, be okay with their sexuality and own their sexuality, right? Because that's, you know, I mean, for all of us, you know, we are all sexual beings and we've all been conditioned to think that it's not okay to, you know, have a lot of sex or, you know, like even talk about sex, that it's like this topic, even though there's so much advertising around us, but it's this weird thing that we have in our culture where, you know, it's just, there's certain things that were, I don't know, messages, right? And so really being able to say, hey, you know, it's okay, and this is who I am. And um, I mean, yeah, we are all sexual beings, and we all got here through that act, right? And so it's... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's a beautiful act. It's a and, sacred, yeah. And how do we come through that? You know, this whole idea, it's just so taboo, and yet we have to say to ourselves, no, it's not taboo. How do you help women move through that? Well, one of the things that, you know, I share in my book, one of the practices that was really powerful for me was finding community through women's circles. So I found myself in a women's circle at a a retreat in Mexico a few years ago, and it absolutely changed my life. And, um, and so that's, you know, I lead women's circles now and, 
Um, and it, I, what I love is that it's really a space for women to be ourselves and, and not be judged and just be, you know, loved for who we are. And so we can share about anything that's going on. And I've sometimes I can't believe the things that I've shared in circle. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I actually said that, you know, or shared that with with these people and these women. And a lot of times, you know, we don't even know each other when we start off in circle. And then, you know, we, we realize that the beautiful thing is like when you're in circle, you realize that you that we're all really the same. You know, we all have the same struggles. We all have some, the, the same fears. Um, and we all want the same things, you know, and so that's when we realize that we're not that different. You know, we like to think, oh, well, you know, you're different from me because you look different from me or you've, you know, whatever, like these things that make us separate. But when it comes down to it, we all want the same things. And so when we can hear and circle someone else, you know, something that they're struggling with and be like, wow, like they're going through that too, because on the outside, it may not look like it. And, you know, we all have a crazy person inside our head. And so when we realize we're not the only one that has that crazy person in our head, um, I think it, you know, gives us permission to be who we are. Yes, I totally agree. Joy, let's talk about guilt. So many of us live with guilt on many layers. How do we start shedding those layers, removing the guilt and moving to a place where we can live without it? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, it's first the awareness, right? So coming back to mindfulness, it's being aware that that we're feeling that way. Um, and then just saying, okay, there's, I'm feeling guilty about this. And, and not getting into a story about it, because that's where we can get stuck in our heads. But, you know, coming into our bodies and, and saying, okay, where am I feeling this guilt? And then just following that feeling. And, you know, if you follow a feeling, it's not going to last very long. So, you know, most of the time we don't allow ourselves to feel that our feelings. And so when we get into our heads, that's when we just get stuck because we're just spinning in our head, right. Versus just feeling it in our body. So noticing that and yeah. And then if you, you know, also want to talk to somebody, then that can be helpful making sure that you talk to someone that can hold space and, and not judge you and just allow you to really speak what it is that you're feeling without saying anything back. You know, a lot of times we want to try to fix somebody or, you know, give them advice or whatever. But in, and when we're in circle, we don't do any of that. We just send them love and we say, okay, like we do something actually where you put your hands like this and it's mm -hmm. called beaming and you said, it's like sending the person love and you say, through your hands, you're saying, I see you, I feel you, I love you without saying anything. And it's such a beautiful, um, I don't know, it's a, it feels so nice when you receive that. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, you know, we've talked about guilt. Now let's talk about forgiveness. How do we actually let it go? And so much of that forgiveness is forgiving ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that you know, there's this beautiful process. Uh, I know you, I don't know if you're familiar. It's called like Hano Pono. Pono Pono. Yeah. Right. It's hard to yes. say, but it is hard to it, say. <laughs> it's basically the you know this um, thank you, I love you, and you know I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Um, yes. Those four words or phrases, and so that's a really you know that is a really powerful practice and process that I've done where you imagine the person that you, and, and it could even be yourself, because a lot of times we do need to forgive ourselves, right? I know that, right. you know, was a big part of my journey too. And so imagining yourself sitting in front of you and then saying, you know, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Um, and, you know, just feeling, feeling that genuinely and sending yourself love or sending the person that you need to forgive love. And yeah, so that's really powerful. It is powerful. And I have to admit, admit a few years ago when I first heard about that, I thought, what? 
does this really mean? Like, it was difficult for me to grasp it at first. And as I spent time thinking about it and working through it and talking to other people who were familiar with it, it seemed to be something that I could understand more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think you're absolutely right. Spending time with others of the same mindset makes a huge difference. And certainly women, I think, are better at this. I think women are better communicators with each other. But I notice a trend toward men and men's groups, you know, getting together and talking about this more. Have you mm-hmm. ever worked with in a situation like that where men are trying to to improve their self opinion of you know their self opinions yeah i mean i um i haven't done like lead circles of men um i i know in in this community where i'm at in san diego we do have men's groups that men really do benefit from um Mm -hmm. i mean i have been in um some circles with you know men and women and i think that yeah again it's just it's it's similar where you know being able to share how we're feeling in a space that's non-judgment is so valuable you know and i know for men you know, I'm sure some of the struggles are slightly different, like, but it, but also, you know, the same idea of like, oh, I have to be a man. I can't show my feelings. That's a big thing for men, right? Is, is not being able to cry like that. It's so, you know, it's weak for a man to cry. And, um, but you know, women, there's women that struggle with crying too, that, you know, have a hard time shedding tears and being vulnerable as well. So, um, so that's really the healing that happens is when, you know, we're able to do that in a space that is loving. Right. And let's talk about the fear of this, because fear can be such an overpowering emotion. How can we move through that? Well, um, you know, I've heard that phrase, feel the fear and do it anyway. And I think that's really, I mean, your fear is a a natural part of life, right? Fear is actually a survival um, mechanism for us. And so if we don't feel fear, then what's going to stop us from, I don't know, like jumping into a street or, you know, like something that could hurt us. Like we need to, we need that fear. So it's never going to go away, you know, as much as we might want to never feel fear. And I've done lots of things, you know, and that have been really fearful. And the only way to really overcome it is just to do it. Yeah, it really is. Joy, I want to ask you about your childhood, about a typical day when you were, say, eight years old, can you share a story with us about what you were like as a little girl? Sure. Um, so I actually don't have very good memories before I was around that time. So that is actually probably a good age to start with because eight is around that time when I actually remember, you know, things. And um, so I would say, you know, I just w- would wake up and um, my parents would take me to school. Although I have to say around that time was a bit challenging because my parents were going through a divorce. So that was when there was a lot of yelling in my family. Um, no physical violence, thankfully, but there was a lot of yelling. And um, But, you know, I loved going to school and just that was fun because I had my friends there. And um, yeah, and it was just a good experience for me. So. Mm. That's great. And so you got to school and you, you felt like that was an escape then. Did you, from, your, from the yelling and the, the anger that was going on at home? Yeah, I'm sure it was a safe, it felt safe for me, you know, and, um, you know, I, it didn't affect my schoolwork. I mean, I've always, you know, thankfully had a good work ethic and, um, you know, we didn't have a lot of pressure, like you have to get all A's, but it was, you know, do your best. 
Um, but they did expect A's and B's. They're like, your best is not a C. You know, we expect you to get A's and B's. Um, and so I always worked hard and did well in school. And um, I was involved in a lot of activities, especially music. So I was very involved in um, band and singing, choir. And so. So where did you go to school, Joy? Um, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, a suburb called Naperville. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you played in the school band. And mm-hmm. what else did you enjoy doing? What other extracurricular activities? Yeah, so I started playing clarinet, um, I think around that time when I was seven or eight. Um, so I had, you know, I got to pick whatever instrument I wanted. And I just, mm-hmm. for some reason, got drawn to the clarinet. And I also played piano from about the time I was six till 16. Um, and like I said, I was in choir. Um, it was a community chorus. And I think that was pretty much it. it was, I was just really into music. Um, I've never been very athletic. Um, basketball is the only sport that I was pretty decent at that I actually was actually good. And I would play with the boys at um, my church. So I was also involved in church. We would go to church every you know Friday night and Sunday. And um, yeah. So does music still play a role in your life today? Um, sadly, not as much as I would like, you know, I, I haven't actually picked up my clarinet since I was in high school. Um, I do sometimes I'll play the piano. I still have it. Um, it's actually at my sister's house, the original piano that my sister also played piano. And now okay. my nieces, nieces, well, my, my oldest niece is nine and the youngest one's four. And so the nine year old, you know, she plays, she takes lessons. The four year old is, is kind of just doing her thing. You know, she'll just right. try to play, but she hasn't actually taken any formal lessons yet. Um, but they play on, on my piano. And so it's nice that it's still being used. And yeah, I mean, sometimes I'll just sing for fun, you know, um, but it's not as much a, a part of my life as it used to be. Some say that mindfulness through nature, being exposed to just trees and nature can really help you to grow in your own self-love. Do you find that that's important in your life? Yeah, nature is, I mean, you know, that's, such an important piece um, for us, I think, to really just connect back to who we are, because especially with the way our lives are these days with technology, I mean, you know, we spend so much time on the computer and just in unnatural situations and settings, right? And so um, that was a big part of my journey, too, especially when I was at that retreat, we were on the beach, and we really connected you know, spent a lot of time connecting to nature. Um, And so another piece of, you know, this journey for me was, was really understanding that we're not human beings having spiritual experiences, we're really spiritual beings having human experiences. Um, And so it was really this understanding that, you know, that I'm not just this body, that I'm actually a spirit, and I truly am a soul. And that's my real nature that I and I'm divine, I believe that we all are divine, and we all are you know, creators, I mean, and, and as women, obviously, we, we birth life into this world, um, that we have that ability. Um, but obviously, men are a big part of that as well. And so it's like, just understand, like, when we really understand that, to me, I wasn't, then I, I was like, how can I not love myself? Because I realized that the thoughts that I have in my head are not who I truly am. They're thoughts that we've been conditioned to believe about ourselves. And that's not really our, you know, true nature. Thank you for sharing that with us. That's so well put and so easy to understand the way you're wording it. I've worked in bullying prevention for some time. And, you know, I know that bullying situations can stop us in our tracks and actually freeze our emotions. I'm wondering if you have a story about bullying, either when you were a child or even as an adult, where mindfulness would have made a difference. Could you share something like that with us? 
Sure. Um, so, you know, I was fortunate not to have a lot of bullying when I was a kid, um, although there was this one girl when I was probably in junior high um, who, you know, used to make fun of me for being my race, basically, my ethnicity, you know, and mm -hmm. she would kind of do that, you know, like eye thing where you just like move your eyes or whatever and just say things and you know, but actually, I think that I was grateful because I think mindfulness did help me because I realized that, like, I didn't internalize it. You know, I think a lot right. of kids, they take it in, right? And they think, oh, there's something wrong with me. And so they really think that it's about them rather than realizing that it's about the other person. Exactly. That that's that when someone bullies you, they're feeling insecure. There's something that it's, it's really not, it has nothing to do with the person that's being bullied. Um, and I just want to say that I really appreciate you you know, making that connection between mindfulness and bullying, because I've never like thought about that before. And so it, it made me think like, wow, yeah, you're right. Like mindfulness really can help with bullying and, and seeing that connection. Yeah, it truly can. As we move toward the end of the interview, Joy, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. And the first one is this, who is one person who has influenced the mindfulness in your life? Hmm. Um, I'm like trying to remember the, I mean, I think obviously, you know, Deepak Chopra is a great example. Um, I, you know, I did a 30 day mindfulness challenge, which really helped me and, um, really just understanding that, you know, for meditation, a lot of times I know people try to think, oh, I just, I don't want to have any, I don't want to have any thoughts. Right. Right. And it's, it's really not about having thoughts because they've, they've shown that even the most enlightened people, I think they can only not have a thought for like five seconds or something. It's really right. basically impossible. I mean, that's not the goal. The goal of, of meditation is mindfulness is just the awareness is, is not, um, not trying to have those thoughts, but just saying, okay, so there's a thought and, you know, just let it pass. And, you know, just the awareness that's, that's really what it's about. That's right. Exactly. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Joy? Um, I think it's helped me to not get attached, you know, like I said before, to the stories. So yes. getting in our heads about, you know, what something means and um, really just saying, OK, so there's a thought and I can let it pass and I don't need to attach to it. Right. So. Right. I'm just wondering um, if you have a book you would recommend about mindfulness that uh, could help our listeners. Yeah, I think um, one of my friends recently wrote a book. Um, her name's Dawn Witt, and she wrote a book called Be. And so it's really a beautiful book. It's got seven words that she actually wrote for her daughters just as a way to, you know, pass on what she wanted her daughters to remember. And so um, it's a really simple book that's got, you know, quotes of some of her own quotes and quotes about from other people. And it's just really beautiful because it's really about, you know, who we're being in the world um, rather than focusing, I think, so much on, you know, we're always like trying to accomplish things and, you know, what am I going to do today? And it's more like, who am I going to be today? You know? Right. Good point. Do you have an app that you could share that's related to mindfulness? Um, I don't actually have an app, but I, I, something that I think, you know, is easy to do is just to use your phone and set a timer on your phone. And, and then every time, you know, that your phone goes off, you say, okay, so now I'm going to be like, just be aware of what you're thinking at that moment. And that's, you know, a simple way to be, to have awareness and mindfulness during your day. How has breathing, uh, related, how has that changed as a result of the mindfulness that you do in your life? Um, I mean, that's that's a really 
good way to instantly become aware, right? And instantly drop into our body is to notice our breath. Um, and so, yeah, that's just a really simple practice that, you know, we can do any time of the day, just take a couple deep breaths and especially if we're feeling stressed or, you know, just, at, you know, tired or whatever, just to take a few deep breaths and then just, that's an instant state change. Yes, for sure. Yes. Well, Joy, I want you to just take a moment and share a little bit more about your book. And you mentioned that you have something to share with our listeners as well. So just tell us again the name of your book and, uh, and this gift that you have for us. Yes. So my book is available on Amazon and it's called The Naked Truth, A Woman's Journey to Self-Love. Um, so you can find it on Amazon. Um, it's up on Kindle and print currently and also be in audio soon as well. And then um, I have a free gift called the seven day self-love challenge. And so it's, you know, the seven practices that we talked about that I also share in my book. So you'll get an email every day for seven days um, that will share different practice that, again, really was powerful for me in my journey of self-love. Excellent. How can we connect with you and learn more about what you do? Yeah, so you can connect with me at my website at joychang.com. And that's also where you can go to get the free gift. Okay, and I want to make sure that we know, that everybody knows it's Joy, J-O-I-E, and Cheng, C-H-E-N-G, so joycheng.com. So be sure to go there. The book is wonderful, and if you go on Amazon, you'll see tremendous reviews from so many people who have found it to be incredibly valuable because it is something that it just feels so personal, and I think it's because of the, the way you are so vulnerable in the stories that you've shared in your book. So thank you so much for pouring yourself into that book to share with others. Yeah, thank you. And I'm just so grateful for, I, yeah, I've had so many messages, you know, from people telling me how much it's really helped them. And that's just makes me feel so good because that's why, you know, I believe that we're all here is to help other people and, and not just live for ourselves, but really inspire others. And so it makes me really happy when I hear that, how much it's helping other people. Yeah, wonderful. That's great. I believe that too. Thank you so much for being on Mindfulness Mode. I'll put all these links in the show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. And Joy, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Bruce. And thank you again for having me on your show. It's really been an honor. You're welcome. My pleasure. Bye now. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.